Captain Slog, Stardate 13. This one's actually 13. Last one was 12. I got that wrong. Uh, Stardate 13. These are the continued voyages of me, Eddie Edwards, and my friend and colleague, Mr. Mark O'Neill, as we trek through all of Star Trek, the next generation, uh, here from 10 forward. Uh, Mark, how, how you been? How's your week been? Uh, yeah, it's been pretty good. I have uh, <laughs> discovered my new favourite ASMR video. Okay. It's <laughs> so, big news. <laughs> so just just to give a bit of a bit of a, a bit of background, ASMR. It's one of these things. I'm not really sure if it's well known enough that I don't have to explain it. But the problem is that if you don't already have it, me explaining it to you isn't going to help that situation, and you are just going to think that a lot of people are fucking lunatics. Yeah, when I first had it explained to me, I was one of those people who went. Oh, that! Yeah, yeah. You're either yeah. going to exact. Yeah, you're either going to be like, "Of course I have that," or what? Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's like a sense of relaxation thing, isn't it? It's like a. Yeah, I put it as it's the most closely. If you haven't got it, the thing that's closest to you is when you get goosebumps listening to music. Yeah, but it's for non-musical things. And uh, it's, it's like, like getting a shiver down your spine sort of sensation. It feels internal more, I'd say, than, than goosebumps mm. as well. Um, but but the, the weirdest thing when you never you try to explain this to anyone is like what actually triggers it, which is always something it's all, it's unique to, to, to people, but it's always something very bizarre. Um, and it will generally involve a relaxing situation with someone giving you, or you watching someone being given personal attention. Um, and my favourite one that I have discovered recently <laughs> is <laughs> this <laughs> this like young Japanese woman uh, goes to and I've seen a lot of videos that start that way so this young <laughs> Japanese woman uh, goes to an acupuncturist uh, for what is described as facial realignment and balance where the acupuncturist basically brings this girl in and it is like, uh, right, your face is your face is not balanced. Your face is asymmetrical, and she stands in she stands behind her in front of a mirror and like points at the corners of her eyes and goes, as you can see, your right eye is slightly lower than your left eye, and and your right cheekbone is slightly higher than than your your left cheekbone, and this is all in Japanese. So this poor, like, uh, she must be maybe like twenty three, twenty four, at, at last, is just going, hi. <laughs> and just nodding along really quietly with this woman just fucking ruins her self-esteem yeah exactly and then she gets down to like yeah if you put your chin out yeah you can see it there can't you like the start of this jawbone and the start of that jawbone your ears you're all over the place hen um basically in like polite japanese the the issue is um and i don't know if this is a part of my enjoyment this last has a like one of the most symmetrical faces I have ever seen in my entire life. Right? This lass is like, it's like God drew the left side of her face and then just control T, invert, and copy, right? And you can see that the acupuncturist is like going out of her way because she, she sort of puts her fingers, like she'll put her finger next to her left eye and her other finger next to her right eye and you can tell that she's like just manipulating like she's basically doing like a Darren Brown sort of top like <laughs> bullshit situation like just convincing this poor lass that her face is asymmetrical when we can all see that it isn't 
And then there's a half hour like service where she gets. Um, did you ever use in school in craft and design or in woodwork or in metalwork like an auto um, center punch? Oh yeah, yeah. So it it looks like a pen that when you press down on it, it's kind of spring loaded and it leaves a little mark. Yeah. So first of all, she lays this last down on her front, right? By the way, just a quick thing: if you're a driver, have one of those in your car. If you crash into a lake, you can use it to smash the window. That's good. That's just a, a genuine safety tip there. Because but... I carry one with me at all <laughs> times, just in case I need to make a point. Um... <laughs> or in case you run into an uns- unsymmetrical Japanese girl. <laughs> <laughs> So, so she fucking lies her down, right? And she pulls her hair up and she's like, right, I'm going to relax the nerves in the back of your neck. And she starts center punching the back of this lass's neck, right? And she's like, does it hurt? And the lass is like, hi. And she's like, yeah, don't, don't worry about it. It's supposed to hurt. Turns her back round. And then she's like, as you can see, just doing that has made your jaw more aligned and more symmetrical. And I'm just like, and I'm, I'm getting super fucking relaxed by this, right? I don't know whether it's the soft music or the Japanese accents. Well, not so much accents as voices, or it's just, I don't know what it is about the, the look on this lass's face, because you can tell that there's a level where she's like, this is obviously bullshit. <laughs> but, and my face is fine. But at the same time, the last time I did this exact video, it got 1.8 million views. So, <laughs> I don't know, man. There's, there's just something really satisfying about it. I've, I've watched it multiple times. Most of those 1.8 million are me. <laughs> um, anyway, that's that's been my week. <laughs> How are you? Um, I'll admit, yeah. Where's my home TV? Right, sorry. My uh, girlfriend was just asking me where the PlayStation controller has been hidden because the dog has decided that it's lovely to chew. But yeah, I've got I've got two bits of news. Um, the first bit of news is dog news, Mark. Uh, so. As as you know, my dog is is a is a Romanian rescue dog because mm. I'm just I'm a good person. And um, but, um, every now and then, um, like when I've been walking, I've had two people now guess that my dog is Romanian um, is because she looks because she looks Romanian, <laughs> which is like I'm like which is which is one you're right, but two you do come across as a dog racist, <laughs> like <laughs> coming over here taking work from good hard working British dogs. She's not. She's bone fucking idle. <laughs> Um, but, but so uh, like uh, just like recently, <laughs> she is. Uh, you, can, you, you can tell she's you can tell she's Romanian because she is a fully qualified electrician. Um, <laughs> but, she, but somebody today, somebody the other day said she looks not Romanian, but she specified what she meant. She said she looks like a Romanian shepherd, which again, she's bone idle. She doesn't have a job. So I've, <laughs> I've, 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 I've so I've googled. The Romanian Shepherd, and it's a big, lovely-looking dog, Mark, and I, I do, I do like it. And it's clear now I've seen it. Yeah, she did, clearly does have some of that. She's a Mongol, she's a street dog, but she's not purebred. But she's definitely got some of that in her. But I only bring this up, Mark, because there is another name for the Romanian uh, sheepdog, the Romanian Shepherd, and that is the Carpathian Shepherd. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and now I'm super annoyed I didn't name my dog Vigo. <laughs> She wouldn't be the first Carpathian Shepherd. Um, you, you should. I know. You should. You should get her a dog bed that looks like uh, a mountain of skulls on a in a castle of blood. Uh, she sits. She sits on a throne of pain. I've, I've got. 
I've got the, the little dog tag she's got at the moment. It's got our address and our phone number on uh, at one side and our phone number on the other. And I want to get a different one done. It's got our address and phone number on one side. And then on the other side says, death is but a doorway, time is but a window, I shall return. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know you know why, now you know why she, she's so friendly with your cat. is because she's suffering from Carpathian kitten loss. I, I had friends, uh, so I, I used to work at the London Dungeon, um, and my friends, uh, Ryan and Alex, were pretty huge Ghostbusters fans, and one of the shows is that they were, like, the judge and the clerk, and you get people up on stage and you do, like, fucking Butlins gags, like, oh, you're from Wales, here's a sheep, meh, right? But one time, and it, it, everyone hated it, it was, it was terrible, um, and uh, one time they got a wee boy up, and they were like, what's your name? And he goes, Vigo. <laughs> and all of, a, all of a sudden, an eight, like a six-minute show turned into a fucking ten-minute show because obviously they were like, Haha, you people, you are like the buzzing of flies to him. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the, the other news, uh, Mark, is of course um, I'm getting zapped in the brain with radiation. Uh because so for those people who are, people who are listening to this as a first episode might not know this, I've got a brain tumour, which might not sound funny, but I think there's humour in it. But then again, I wouldn't necessarily trust my judgement. I've got a fucking brain tumour. Yeah, I mean, um, it is the best material that your head has ever created. <laughs> as I once said in a roast battle. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it turns out it's been growing. Um uh, at a faster rate than my comedy career, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so um, I've got to get zapped by this thing called the gamma knife. And um, so, okay, right, I've got to go into the hospital, and they've got to make like take a mold of my head and do another MRI. And then I go back in two weeks later, and they sit me in a chair, and the mold is so I don't move my head, which I was like, can't you just accomplish that with a vice? <laughs> um, but and then. They zap radiation into my head. Now, apparently, before the invention of this, my treatment would have been 50 days in hospital of getting zapped every day because they need to give you a small enough dose that it doesn't kill your brain. But with this, it's one session of half an hour. Right? Think about that. You can start watching Countdown, right? (laughs) Have a cup of tea, go get your brain tumour cured, and be back in time for the conundrum. Right. <laughs> now, I'm a man. I love scientific progress. Right, I I celebrate it every day. Um, I the vaccine. I, I'm not going to call them anti-vaxxers because I, I don't think that it's a full. It, it's not necessarily a full-blown anti-vaxxer opinion. Um, vaccine hesitant, which I, I on some on some human level I do empathise with. Right, yeah. but this idea that they were like, yeah, this this disease has only been around for a little while and and yet this vaccine's come out very quickly and it, there's no conspiracy about it they're just like it, it seems weird that this has come out this quickly therefore yeah. i don't really trust it therefore i'm gonna wait for a while which again on a on a, on a human level i i totally uh, understand and empathize with but if some if a doctor was to turn around to me and say this radiation that we're going to shoot inside your brain used to take <laughs> 50 days but don't worry we've knocked it down to half an hour i'd be like eh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about this, man. 
yeah, no, yeah. It's uh, when I heard that, I was like, oh, because because if you get a brain tumor, you're hoping for more than an afternoon off work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it turns out the recovery time's eight weeks, and I was like, what? Uh, and they were like, yeah, because like we're we're essentially dumping a shitload of radiation into your head. Uh, so it inflames the like because basically the tumor dies. Yeah, it, don't, it doesn't shrink. It's just its corpse is forever in my head as I carry it around like a trophy, like I'm Geralt of Rivia. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it's um, it like um, so it expands, so it makes all of my symptoms worse temporarily because it's like inflamed while it's dying. Um, uh, it's like a from a hell's heart I stab at these situation, um, and then um, and then it like. And then, like they said, yeah, no, you'll have like some like loss of cognitive function. You'll be hazy and like tired for like eight weeks. And I was like, okay, that's an acceptable amount of time to be off work. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to be like thick for eight weeks, so I'll be able to tell you what it feels like to think leaving the EU is a good idea. <laughs> was that whole story just leading up to that? Yeah. No, the next, the, the, the first podcast after it happens, it's just going to be me sitting there going, look. Look, say what you want about Boris, but he's trying his best. <laughs> <laughs> we need to fucking. <clears throat> what? When is this happening? So it's I get I go in on the twenty fourth of February right. for the 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 moulding process, <laughs> which is also the MRI, and then I go to a clinic and they ask me. About, the thing is, they ask you a bunch of like health questions. Yeah, and it's like what <laughs> am I going to say that is worse than the brain tumor? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just thinking. Well, we'll still be in season one, so. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping like it should be like the. I worked it out. We'll be coasting into season two. Right. So I might start to really, really enjoy these episodes. <laughs> stuff. I, in all, in all, honesty, I wish I could have done it before this one. Um, uh, I <laughs> hate everything about this. I hate that I had to watch this episode. I hate that I had to read about this episode. I hate that I have to fucking talk about this episode. I I I want to say one nice thing about this episode. The alien planet they go to has a nice modern Japanese aesthetic. Uh in terms of the design. Right. Uh like everyone kneels down, they have like pads instead of furniture and low chair tables. That's that's it. Would you prefer that? Like would you want that to come over here? I'm 37. I can't. I've I I've been prescribed stretches by my doctor, so my back doesn't hurt. No, <laughs> I, I I I have trouble stroking the dog. She, I think she thinks I'm aloof because like, no, you're just you're all the way down there. <laughs> I I have started very occasionally taking to uh, using chopsticks with known chopstick food. All oh, right, what like a Mars bar? Yeah, <laughs> not just like a chicken and potatoes situation. I like the chopstick as a as a utensil because you can use it to eat food. And if a vampire sneaks up on you, bam, got him. Yeah, can't do that with a fork. No, unless you've got a wooden fork. In which case, it's not going to work as well. <laughs> yeah, done. Um, I feel like we're 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 um, what's the stalling? One? Yeah, we're stalling. <laughs> yeah. So, please explain the plot of this episode. Oh, God. The plot of this episode is that the Enterprise goes to the planet women. Um, uh, and when they get there, bitches be cray. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, yeah, it's so they, it's the, 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 okay, the Enterprise is, is checking out a distress call from, a, 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 I love this by the way, a freighter mark that's a little overdue. 
Um, it's seven years overdue, and this is the first time anybody from the Federation has gone to check it out. And an escape pod's missing, and it's empty. So they follow the escape pod, they wind up on this planet, and it turns out the planet is a female-dominated society. Uh, and then it turns out that the um, guys who landed there were all men, um, and they've been stirring up some sort of like revolution against the, the matriarchal society. Uh, and then they get captured, they need to get put to death, but then they decide not to because Riker gives a speech. That's not what I want, TNG. Uh, but yeah, it's the plot of this episode, Mark, can best be described as imagine if women were men. I bet they'd be worse. <laughs> so, <clears throat> um, right, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this. I'm gonna read this straight up. Right, it's, it's gonna have some. Uh, some things in it that we'll come back to later but yeah. I, I just this is something that, that I really enjoyed I found this in the, in the book uh, I didn't write it down it's in a book about Star Trek Okay. an early story meeting about this episode was attended by Patrick Barry Gene Roddenberry and Herbert Wright Wright was worried that the concept of a matriarchal society had been too overdone <clears throat> quote so one of the major issues that we didn't want to do was an Amazon women type of thing where the women are six feet tall with steel D cups. I said, the hit I want to take on this is apartheid so that the men are treated as though they are the blacks of South Africa. We'll get back to that in a minute. That's not even the weirdest <laughs> part of this statement. Um, okay. Make it political. Sexual overtones, yes, but political. Well, that didn't last very long. Everything that Gene got involved with had to have sex in it. It's so perverse that it's hard to believe. The places it was dragged into is absurd. We were talking about how women would react, and Gene was voicing all the right words again, saying, Oh yes, we've got to make sure that women are represented fairly, because after all, women are probably the superior sex anyway. And it's real important that we don't get letters from feminists because we want to be fair and we don't want to infer that women have to rule by force if they do rule because men don't have to rule by force which is like okay that, yeah fair enough yeah. that's an interesting yeah. point that you've brought up there right it, it continues very sensible stuff all of a sudden something kicks in and he says however we also don't want to infer that it would be a better society if women ruled his voice becoming increasingly louder. Roddenberry continued <laughs> that this was because women were, quote, untrustworthy, vicious creatures, which he angrily blurted out in a torrent of hateful verbiage. Then he looks out the window, looks at the outline and says, okay, on page eight, and continues like that didn't even happen. <laughs> I... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Mark, can you imagine having to make the phone call to your mum about this episode? Like, you're an actor, and you've been cast, and you're like, you ring up your mum, and go, Mum, I've got a role in, I've got a role in Star Trek. She's like, oh, that's amazing. What was your role? My role is small, girlish man. <laughs> so. <clears throat> or large, mannish woman. <laughs> yeah, the, just, just everything. Just, because, one thing to, to point out, if you're not watching this along with us, the idea is that this is a planet and Riker, I, I think Jordi and Riker actually talk about this uh, they are a planet that is in their own progress round about the mid 20th century yeah, but, yeah, around about the mid 20th century you know when, Mark, when we were putting women to death yeah. for, uh, for for wanting the vote 
Yeah, exactly. Uh. But yeah, so, so, so the, the men are sort of in it. Imagine like the, the women, the men on this planet are treated like women were on our planet in, in, in our society. Yeah, about 1950. And a, yeah, and about, yeah, 19, 1950, but, but, but didn't have the vote. Yeah. Or anything. Which I can already tell you a way to make this story far more interesting. It's just put men in charge and be like, what would the 1950s have been like if women didn't have the vote? Yeah. That's already or, inherently a, more interesting idea. Or a more or a more interesting is to do it literally paralleling like the time that you were in. Like set it so that this society is like being a woman in nineteen eighty six is for the men. Which is there's nothing obvious, but when they land the leaders immediately talk to the women like and, and highlight literally write the script as if you were writing a normal planet and then when you're finished flip the genders yeah and let all of the unconscious bias be obvious because now you can see it because you're seeing it from a perspective you're not used to seeing it from yeah is more interesting than literally anything they do it's like how if you look into the mirror in a japanese acupuncturist office you'll see <laughs> the the imperfections in your asymmetric face as the as the therapist says yeah. to the poor the poor girl um, but the top comment on that video is this is the most polite roast session I've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> now uh, but one thing I do want to bring up is that um, uh, there is an important point in this episode which is that um, um, yeah because Picard decides that um, Troy should take the lead on the away mission which is a qualification she has because she's a woman and I just wanted to highlight that as the first actual qualification that Troy actually holds. <laughs> she is a woman. We can't deny that. We can deny that she's a competent counsellor and a psychic. That's, that's open. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I, I like the bit where uh, the, the nonce from Prison Break was like, I'm a doctor. And she's like, we'll be great together. I'm a qualified psychologist. And he just goes, okay. <laughs> There's also, like, after the intro, and actually, I've got a question I want to ask you about this. Have you, so far in the time we've been watching TNG, have you ever used the skip intro option on Netflix? No, never. No, um, never and, 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 and Laura has brought it up more than once. She's she, she's picked up the remote and, and then went, oh, sorry, I forgot that we watched this bit. <laughs> of course we fucking watched this bit. It's like, it's, it's like why, why does... Why does Disney Plus even have a skip intro option on The Simpsons? That is like <laughs> defe- or or Red Dwarf, like those those theme songs. They might as well be distilled into pure joy. Netflix has a skip intro option on Breaking Bad, and the Breaking Bad intro is two seconds long. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't have time for that? Yeah, no. The Star Trek the next, like I've said on multiple occasions, I want the Star Trek the next generation theme to be played on a baby grand piano as my naked body is shot out of a cannon into a low earth orbit <laughs> when I'm dead not when I'm alive yeah uh... <laughs> oh <laughs> do we want to talk about the fashion in this episode Mark because this episode has Wesley in his shiny silver ski suit on the thing. But also, I think we we have to talk at length about the outfit Riker has to wear. <laughs> uh, I cannot get across how much I hate absolutely fucking every fucking thing about this episode. 
Um, I, I, I hate the fact that they've gone, <laughs> let's write an episode about how difficult it is to be a woman written entirely by men. <laughs> which, which, which ends, uh, where did I write this? It, it, it ends, right? It's, it's just a bunch of men telling women that their issues aren't that bad. <laughs> and it, it, it should have ended with just in big large, the, 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 the re-release episode, because obviously they didn't have these at the time, the re-release episode should just have ended with in giant white letters, hashtag not all men. I, I, <laughs> the, the, the other thing I need to bring up is, is constantly throughout this episode, we are being told that a better more interesting episode of Star Trek is happening off screen yeah. because whilst this is all going on there's like a there's a disease on the Enterprise that's caused people to get sick and that's running through there's like a B plot it's basically an excuse to make it so we can't just beam people up from the planet or whatever um, but also to put in like a ticking clock on this a bunch of Romulans are attacking an outpost in the neutral zone and it's like I want We've not had Romulans yet, yeah. Mark. There's not been any Romulans. I saw Romulans at the beginning, and I was like, "Hey, Romulans!" And then it's like, "No, we don't even. They're, ne- they're not even on screen." This is the first time they've even been mentioned. Yeah, yeah. It's ah, oh, it's. Oh. Shall we? I mean, we may get back to Rachel's outfit later after I've finished with this brain hemorrhage. But shall we discuss <laughs> the fucking holodeck virus? <laughs> oh, so. Is that from the holodeck? Because he says it's from a field trip. I couldn't work out whether it's a virus that they've caught on the holodeck or if there's a previous field trip that's happened. Oh, right, so... But if it's from the holodeck, what... what? It's That's not... It, that's not... and ca- Again, that is not and cannot possibly be how the holodeck works. No. So, <laughs> the... So, right, so Wesley and his little friend... Are going skiing. Are going skiing in the holodeck with, with like an instructor right they, they specify that they're going with a ski instructor um, <laughs> imagine imagine that's your job <laughs> like, what, what, oh yeah I'm, I'm on board the, uh, the Enterprise the, uh, the uh, Federation's flagship vessel what's your job oh a ski instructor I'm sorry what <laughs> I 100% would take that job because I, I think people would be really interested in that I mean yeah. it's weird that you're on you're on Enterprise you're a ski instructor that, that's bizarre it's like yeah but I still get to I get to sit in ten forward. Like Guinan still asks me about my problems as an imaginary ski instructor, which largely boiled down to uh, is what I am doing, does it actually have a purpose if skiing isn't real? If I mean I would like to now I want an episode of Star Trek that's entirely skiing themed. Like yeah. it's like so basically oh the Romulans are trying to buy out the ski lodge and close it down, so we have to win the big ski race. Yeah. <laughs> Because, <laughs> because, like my my job is, um, I I'm a walking tour guide. Like that's kind. Of, I I sort of run a walking tour business, but because of the pandemic, I've had to shift that to a largely online model, where I have gone out and videotaped videotaped in the 1980s. I'm now in the 1980s <laughs> and I videotaped the entire. Route. You should use Betamax. It's got better better quality. No, you're right. It's a higher resolution. Yeah, it takes longer to stream. Um, but I I now have people call in on Zoom and I green screen myself into the tour to deliver it as live but it's not really happening live obviously that stuff was filmed in like 2020 um, but I, I can see where the, the ski instructor on the Enterprise would have 
like a real genuine mental crisis. I've had it. I've I've been like, does my it, like is it important enough that my job somewhat brings happiness and joy, even though it's it's not. I'm not really doing anything. I'm. Just, it's, it's essentially like the Matrix, isn't it? Um, and then and then Guinan would hand me another martini, and I'd be like, oh, it's so hard. Anyway, so <clears throat> right, I I must have missed that bit uh, when he mentioned a field trip because I because I when he said field trip, I thought that he just meant another day in the holodeck on a different yeah, but that's what I, It's not specified, so I also don't know if it's a it's weird. It's yeah, if it's if there's a virus from the holodeck, that should be the episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, or it should oh. be. Uh, Wesley goes on a skiing trip in the holodeck, and because the holodeck is a murderous psychopath, um, <laughs> it, it turns on avalanches. <laughs> no, he's he, he's doing really well. He gets to the bottom of the run, and then that yeti from Ski Free. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh. so he so he throws a snowball at Captain Picard, which goes about as well as throwing a snowball at Captain Picard <laughs> should yeah. be. Um, and then, that, see, this is where I thought that, that this is this is why it was a holodeck virus, was because, well, for one thing, Picard gets sick after being hit by the snowball, which is bizarre, yeah. because being cold isn't what gives you the cold. That's not yeah, accurate. Having not, cold clothes doesn't help. And two, the first time that we see Dr. Beverly Crusher, she walks out of uh, the medical quarters holding what is very obviously a circuit diagram <laughs> which made me go oh is she like is holodeck virus now on 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 the ship that has the psychopathic holodeck is holodeck virus now enough of an issue that she already knows how to deal with it uh, these were all questions that were brought to Gene Roddenberry and his response was women are devious <laughs> <laughs> You can't trust them. This this episode is the reason why in season two of Star Trek The Next Generation we get Dr. Polanski, okay? Because <laughs> if you don't know, the next season of uh, this doesn't have Gates McFadden playing Dr. Beverly Crusher because she was incredibly outspoken about how sexist this writing was. <laughs> one of my favourite points uh, from watching the episode is uh, so everyone starts to get sick. So Picard gets sick. Uh, Worf starts to get sick. They all start getting what's basically quite a severe cold, um, yeah. which is which is uh, obviously what COVID nineteen is. You fucking authoritarian <laughs> dicks, just fucking get over it. Um, and uh, he then put and 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 Bevel and and Doctor Crusher tells Picard that he has to be relieved of duty, which then leave, leaves from what I understand leaves her as the highest ranking officer on the ship because Riker's away. Yeah, and so immediately he puts uh, LaForge in charge <laughs> and <laughs> Laura I put down here Laura is really angry at Jordy being in charge because how many women have been stepped over to make that happen <laughs> and now and now the incel has to deal with the feminazis <laughs> down on the planet there's 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 the opening of this like after the intro when you get Picard's log and he's talking about the society. He re- frequently he doesn't say women. He says the female, and it's one of the most incelly sounding things yeah. I have ever heard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> also, um, I want to point out this: Tasha Yar is a complete bitch in this episode because they arrive on the planet, they meet the ruler of this planet, they have a one 
like maybe one minute long conversation. And in that time, the ruler of this planet uses the phrase good question on two occasions. <laughs> and then next, the next scene, Tasha Yar says, as the mistress is so fond of saying, good question. It's like, for fuck's sake, you've met her once. You've had one conversation that lasted a minute. Don't fucking assassinate this woman's character. And, and also, <laughs> maybe Riker was asking good questions and she was just surprised <laughs> that a man can ask good questions. Because, again, Eddie, as I've written down here, this whole episode is about how, with a bit of moxie and some self-belief and determination, men can overcome any obstacle. <laughs> but that's really, I mean, that's really what's been holding feminism back, is a lack of moxie. Yeah. I also just noticed that I've written down, is this guy supposed to be the Emmeline Pankhurst of this situation? <laughs> Okay. We ain't got any of the fucking the rebels. Um, I love the fact that at one point the the crew of the Enterprise are like, right, if we want to detect the, the be away crew, crew like if we want to detect where these people are, we need to find an element that they might have on them that it doesn't naturally occur on this planet. So they need to have a look at their library. And Riker asks if they can look at their library and the response is like men can't read. You know, like like men said to women frequently in the nineteen fifties. What a t- like I like that that just shows a clear misunderstanding of how research works, sort of, doesn't it? Because yeah. they're not gonna have a list of the things that they don't have that they don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but then they they put this is how I love they put data forward and they're like well Riker instead of arguing that men can read says what about data he's he's not a man he's a robot <laughs> and the woman the lead woman gives a certain look where she's like oh what a novel idea I'm certain she thinks data is a sex bot yeah because her her thinking process was exactly the same as the male thinking process on Earth would be if you presented us with a robot woman. It's like, well, I can only think of one reason why you would have made that. <laughs> I, I, I have thought about that quite a lot, right? Because here's the thing. Yeah. Um, oh, this is, right, I'm just going to go and get my own fucking shovel here. <laughs> right, to start digging this hole. Yeah. <laughs> If you <laughs> there is there is there is oh fuck <laughs> I've started this I'm gonna have to finish it haven't I? <laughs> there is no reason to make a robot look like a sexy woman unless it's to have sex with no no you're right <laughs> equally there's no reason for data to be made anatomically correct unless no. Doctor Noonien Singh was just intending on getting railed by it <laughs> yeah like there's there's nothing there's like there, there are practical elements of the human body that are unique to both men and women or male and female presenting so yeah. there's if you wanted to create the perfect being you would sort of take elements of both yeah. and put them together yeah. but if you if you just make if you if you just make a fucking a robot and you're like uh, tell tell me about your robot. What 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 was the design that went into it? And you're like, well, there's this ASMR video I really like. Well, this woman who's five six with a super symmetrical face, but she doesn't have a lot of belief in her own symmetry. Um, but basically, this is her. This is this is uh, this is Kiku. Uh, yeah. Why did you name her that? Oh, because it's it's fun. It's fun to call out. Uh, I, <laughs> 
there's a reason why there, there's a very specific storyline reason why the AI in Blade Runner 2049 is played by Anna Darmus. <laughs> and also, her name is Joy, J O I, which in the parlance of pornography stands for Jerkoff Instructions. <laughs> Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, by the way, can, can I, I like to comment on the thing where Riker has like a date with the uh, the woman. Oh, and, right. Shall we talk uh, about his outfit now? He has to wear the outfit, but not only that, once he's come out wearing it, Troy, Troy and Tasha both laugh at him. Because this is... <laughs> the outfit he's wearing, the only way I can think of, of, of saying like, it's not the fashion that women on Earth were wearing in the 1950s, which is, uh, in, uh, basically, is Agent Carter. Yep. Right, okay. It's like long skirts that go down below the knee and like sensible things because you don't like joke. No, this is what women would wear on a planet that was ruled by Vince McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and, and not current Vince McMahon, 90s Vince McMahon. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. This is like, he's literally, they're literally, he's got a nipple out. Yep. Um, and it's barely covered. And he says it's quite comfortable. And they're making fun of him. And at this point, I want to bring up the fact that Riker's response is, do you have a problem with me wearing this because she's a woman? An attractive woman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> An attractive woman? Like, nobody was bringing up her attractiveness, Riker. <laughs> yeah. I oh. just... Um, so, I... Fuck me. Just... I, um, <laughs> fuck I, I want to... I want to mention a very meta moment that happens in this, where it becomes abundantly clear that Riker, as a, the fictional character of Riker, is not aware of the purpose he serves in the meta construct of, of, of Star Trek The Next Generation, when he says to the leader of this species, before they bang, because of course they do, of course that happens. Because that's, that's, all, that's all the women need to sort them out, is a good seeing thing. Uh, <laughs> Riker says... It's not my function to seduce or be seduced. Well, I'm sorry, Will, uh, but that is literally what your function as a member of the... There is nothing you do that can't be encapsulated in the Picard character, except for making love to green space women. (laughs) Not even green, Mark. It's one of the laziest... Couldn't they have slapped some body makeup on these aliens? It is... Made them blue or some shit. It is bizarre, because... As again, I've, I've, I've written down here, uh, this was taken from a, an, an article. Uh, the episode was intended to be a commentary on apartheid in South Africa. Now, I don't know how much you know about apartheid, Eddie, but there was there was a, um, an inherent, uh, you know, trait uh, about a person that was uh, important uh, when it came to apartheid. Um, yep. And... Uh, Right, instead, uh, they used gender role reversal. However, there were problems between the cast and director during filming, and uh, Sir Patrick Stewart sought to have the sexist nature of the episode changed. (laughs) Because, again, Picard doesn't stand for apartheid nor sexism. (laughs) No, he doesn't. This is... the heroes of this episode are the crew of the freighter mm-hmm. who have landed, they lived there for a bit and then they ran off into the, like, the woods and it turns out one of them is secretly married to like a high-ranking official. The heroes of this episode, Mark, are activists who are campaigning 
for men's rights. <laughs> they are they are men's rights activists. I, I no, even if you do look like a shit space MacGyver, I'm not rooting for you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it is because I, I I don't truly I don't believe in like the uh, some people on the internet would would disagree with this, um, but I I don't really necessarily believe in the tamping down of ideas if they're interesting and and if they're interesting to discuss not not, not to, to implement but the idea of like what would an activism movement look like in a world where it was a matriarchal society and men were the ones having to fight for the vote because that's like you said earlier that's an interesting way of looking at your own conscious but your own unconscious biases and and kind of and flipping the switch and being and it's 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 essentially it's a real call to jesus it's a real have a look in the mirror at your own fucking problems and and then come to learn together as as like one people sort of situation uh this is not that <laughs> <laughs> no because this one is of the not they, interesting one of the things they do is they specifically mentioned that the men the women of this species are bigger and stronger and have all of the traits of men yeah so you're not even getting the interesting idea that it's a woman dominated society where the traits that women stereotypically are seen to have are more dominant on that planet yeah it's just exactly the same society yeah <laughs> but with yeah it's oh yeah, it, it would be I, I wrote down some some things that I said this episode could have worked if they hadn't switched the genders and just had the enterprise crew enterprise crew rip on people who wanted to prevent women's suffrage. Like that would, yeah. again, that'd be interesting. What would what would the uh, even just what would the nineteen eighties have looked like if women had never gotten the vote? Like what that's what Star Trek is for. And then Tasha Yar as a strong like as a, as a female character who has a lot of traditionally masculine traits, being the security officer, arriving in that world, having her be the person who interacts with the leader of that and that, that that's much more interesting than Riker just bangs some bangs some tolerance into the fucking leader of the fucking <laughs> planet. Yeah, and, I don't, and, I, thank God Riker <laughs> was there to talk some sense into these bitches. <laughs> no, Mike, he doesn't just talk to them. He also gives her a lamp. So, <laughs> gives it, is it a meditation sphere? And then he turns it on and it just lights up in the middle and she's like, oh my God, that's so impressive. It's a lamp, love. Yeah, you have those. We can see it. Um, so, the, so the rebels, the fucking, oh, right. So the, the rebels, it's revealed, are working with someone in the female council. Yeah. To try and bring about a sort of men's suffrage movement. Yeah. And the leaders Not then that. decide we can't have that getting out, so we're going to sentence them to death. Yeah. Which, again, is quite a stereotypically male thing to do. If there's an issue, kill it. It's also, Mark, it's like, it's, it's historically literally the worst idea you can do. Yeah. If you don't, if you want, if you, the moment you kill someone for having ideas that are counter to your culture, you create a movement behind that person's ideas. The, the, it's, yeah, so. Can I mean, you I imagine like, how different the world would have been if the Romans had showed up at the Sermon on the Mount and went, here's two more fish, do it again. <laughs> <laughs> 
Or just it's like, or just let Jesus grow old until he eventually said something racist. <laughs> More racist than his beef with the Samaritans. From what I understand, that's what the Martin Scorsese film, The Last Temptation of Christ, is about. But I've never been able to get through the first twenty-five minutes of that film because it's tedious. So it is, but then at the end of the episode, at the end of the film, it turns out that everything you've seen of Jesus doing all of that stuff is like him being tempted by the devil and he goes but he decides no i don't want to do that i do want to be nailed to a bit of wood <laughs> i'm willem defoe um, <laughs> um mark at the end of this episode instead of killing the um the rebels what they decide is to that all the rebels um and the people who support them uh can go live on this like remote bit of the of the planet that's like a jungle where they can live and they'll be left there and the idea is that instead of being revolutionary they'll like it will slow down but maybe if they can make a successful society it will be an example to the rest of them and it's seen as a very very happy ending but i do want to point out that exact thing was what hitler did to the jews before the camps um (laughs) people don't know this but one of hitler's first ideas was to repatriate all the jews to madagascar Mm -hmm. and just leave them in the jungle and um i don't I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who's not aware of world history. Not arousing success. No. Uh. <laughs> also, that would have really, that would have really backfired on Hitler, because if Plague Incorporated is anything to go by, Madagascar is the hardest country start to send a disease to. So at the Always end, of the, at the end of the day, we would have had a, a planet run by, by the Jews, which. I don't know how much again you know about Hitler, but that would have been the last thing that he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wrote, I actually wrote something about Hitler because obvi- obviously I did I said <laughs> this episode feels like the half-baked jabbering of an incel who's just taken ecstasy for the first time and is trying to hit on a female gender studies student it reminds me of that sci-fi book that's pretend written by Hitler oh yeah oh, uh, yeah. if anybody's not aware of that it's fucking fantastic It's because ba- basically a lot of people I- is it called the Iron Eagle? Yeah, it's the idea is that Hitler, instead of being a, instead of being a Hitler, um, moved to America and wrote pulp fantasy books. Because because the, and the point is, it's, it's a badly written book because fascism is an inherently childish and poorly thought out worldview. Because you believe there's like it's like oh everything's gone wrong, everyone's against me, the world doesn't like me. But instead, you replace everyone with the Jews. Uh, it's the mindset of a 14 year old who hasn't grown up yeah. uh, and doesn't know how the world works it's like oh look, things go wrong why is that because the universe is a cold and uncaring place yeah. no 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 someone's got it inf- yeah. uh, but that's yeah the, it's it's an interesting it's a very interesting read and a very it, yeah it's a very good book in terms of like doing that but yeah it, it's it's similar to that yeah um, so oh, see, sorry, sorry see, just, to, just to go back to your previous point um, one of the things so the, the actual reason for the virus, uh, not just to give us um, a ticking time bomb, is that Riker says, I'm going to beam all of these men's rights activists, which is what we're going to call them from now on. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to beam all these red pills up to the Enterprise uh, to save them from being killed. To which Data fucking flat out says, that is a blatant disregard yeah. of the Prime Directive. Like that... Like you, you could not find a more fucking egregious, uh, like going against the prime directive. That that is that yeah. is that is that's a, that's literally what it's for. 
Um, and so he's like, well, I don't care, I'm going to do it. And then Beverly says, no, we've got this weird virus, you can't do it. But, yeah. right, he still offers that to the people at the end, and he squares that with the card. I, I mean, I think he, he squares it with whoever, Jordy. I don't know. Yeah. Jordy's the one making decisions at this point. So the rebels who, again, are from the Federation, they're not Starfleet. Yeah, um, they're, they're just not... they're from the Federation. That's why Starfleet is responsible for them, but doesn't have any control over what they do. So when yeah. they... When they decide to stay on the planet, Riker can't really do anything about it. But the issue is, they're being told, right, here are, here are your choices. You can either die or be sent to a desolate wasteland where you might come up with a society to rival this. Why did no point does he go, actually, we have a third option. Why don't we go and live on the fucking Enterprise where they have replicators <laughs> and holodeck ski holidays? Why don't we colonise another empty planet in this system with fucking Federation shit? Yeah. Uh, but it's... Why don't you come back to with me to my planet? This is, a, this, another, this is another great example of the fact of this being like... the. There's two major issues with this, and it's one is one that we've noticed a lot in this season, which is nobody in the writer's room has... They don't have what the prime directive is worked out exactly and written on a wall because again, these this is, seems like it's one of those planets where they shouldn't even be there. Yeah. Um, but then the other problem is, and this is a problem that comes up throughout all of Star Trek, which is Starfleet and the Federation are two different things. But the main way we experience the Federation is through Starfleet. So for a lot of writers, they kind of get tangled together. And then you get situations like this where it's like, oh, they're not actually in Starfleet, so we don't have any say over them. It's like, but they're, they're Federation citizens, so if they're breaking Federation laws, which the Prime Directive is, then I question that. Does the does the Prime Directive like apply to citizens? Is it a law or is it an order? That's the important question. If it's an order that Starfleet have, then like the word directive would yeah makes makes yeah. it sound more like an order. Does that mean that if we lived in the Federation, I could buy a shuttle, load it up with stuff and like Federation tech, fly off the edge of like fly off the edge of the grid, find a like I don't know Bronze Age civilization and just be worshipped as a god? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, conceivably yes. But here's my question, Eddie, because I I I like to think I know you. I we've been friends for for a while, right? I like to think I know sort of the way you think. Yeah. How many planets would it take before you got bored and started a Nazi planet? <laughs> um, I don't think I would do it. Here's what I would do. I, don't, I wouldn't do it as part of my plan, but if I got to a planet and they didn't treat me enough as a god, I'd totally set them on like the Nazi path and then leave. <laughs> Just be like, yeah, Jesus take that, Christ. you fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, would, yeah, I would do like a... I would use technology to make myself look like Jesus like what if that's what Jesus was <laughs> just a guy with a replicator anti, anti-gravity boots 
what if that's how first contact gets made like some spaceship lands in fucking central park new york like all of the world's media gather around and then it opens and like eight jesuses walk out <laughs> one of them just comes down and like taps on their life and goes uh so we've recently found out that one of our species came here about two thousand years ago and has caused some problems yeah, and they, but, but, but the thing is, right? How would we recognise them as Jesuses? Because all of our Jesus iconography is clothes from the Middle East and like a a, a crown of thorns, um, and a and a cross, which again would be the last thing that these people would want to see if that's their only weakness. Maybe. <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't die, did he? He just like, oh, fuck. I'm gonna have to pretend to be dead so they'll take me off this cross. Oh yeah. And then when they and then when they bury me, I can get away. Going hanging in that cave for three days, yeah. Because <laughs> if I was, because one of my favourite stories about Jesus is when Jesus comes back and the way that my RE teacher told me is so anyway, like all the disciples, right? They all got a hotel room, and I'm like, right, okay. So uh-huh. they all got a hotel room, and Jesus came back, and he was there, and he chaps on the door, and he's like, hello, it's me, Jesus, and Thomas. He's like, no, I don't, I don't believe you. And he goes, it is, it's me. Look at my hands. There's a hole. Put your finger through it. Like, <laughs> I got a bunch of a bunch of guys in their thirties who probably have a bunch of who probably have quite a lot of wine. Bunch of single men in their thirties at night after having a bunch of wine. It, it, it's gonna, it's, it's not gonna be as wholesome as that, is it? He's gonna be like, fucking mate, just, just go, just two fingers straight in there. Go for it. Put my hands together like that, and you can go all the way through. <laughs> and then somebody's like, "What else can we get through the holes in his hands?" Somebody, yeah, do you know this... what? Fucking get get the toilet brush. Try it. And before you know, and before you know it, David Cameron's in the corner fucking a pig's head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think there's there's a, only a few more things I want to talk about on this episode. Uh, I, I want to say I'd like Geordie getting in the chair. Yeah, like I know that we like he gets a, a he gets to do a make it so to Wharf and Wharf's like nice. Yeah, I like that. Um, I also really want to talk about how good Data is in this episode because Data at the end of the episode gets beamed up to the Enterprise and he's like the only person who isn't sick. And like Riker's like, you've got to get to the neutral zone, fight off these Romulans before it's too late, is what he says. And then, then. Data calls back down, and Riker's like, "Why are you still here? I ordered you to go." There. He goes, "No, you ordered me to get there before it's too late, and I've done the calculations, and I've got." He's like, "And I don't have to leave for forty-eight minutes." And <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that because it's like that's Data doing like the logical computer thing of like I've worked out the exact wording of your orders, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that's great. Uh, that's that's it. That's all. also at the end of this episode, I like Picard saying to Riker, "I look forward to your reports." Because that just to me implies that Picard <laughs> makes Riker give him a report of all of the times he has sex. And <laughs> 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 I just imagine all I got in my head is you know the character that uh, Patrick Stewart plays in American Dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm, very good, number one. <laughs> Why doesn't Picard just watch the episode? <laughs> he he knows they've got it. He showed it to Riker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, there's a there's a good there's a there's a, a joke in Star Trek Lower Decks uh, where one of the characters go gets transferred to the Titan, um, which is Riker's ship. All oh, right. And uh, I, I I I hope it's a reference to the to the pilot of TNG. Um, if not, I know exactly what it's a reference to. But there's a bit where Riker comes out of the turbo lift onto the bridge, and Deanna Troy's there, and she's like, "Where have you been?" 
And he goes, oh, I was just watching some of the, the, the later episodes of Enterprise. That was a really good show, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, but just, but there's a, there's a fucking, there's a, there's a joke that fucking, they, I think I've talked about it on this podcast before, and I'm, I, I, I tried to explain this to Laura, and I've never seen anyone look more bored. Um, there's a bit where the main character, uh, whose name escapes me, uh, uh, I can't remember, but she... She walks, she walks by one of the secondary characters and it's in a situation where the ship's been overrun and he's like tied to a wall. And she's like, Boimler, how you doing? And he goes, I don't know. They keep trying to show me these four lights. That's, that's, that's my favorite TNG episode. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, that's that's lights. yeah, that's that's some of the best. That's that that for me. I feel about that episode the way you feel about Measure of a Man. Uh, I love that because Picard is naked and tied to a wall and still manages to defeat his enemy yeah. <laughs> with words. Oh, oh. <laughs> but but yeah. Oh, the only other thing I've got written down on here is that um, uh, Crusher won't let Riker beam back on because she doesn't want to breach quarantine. Um, so I think Riker should have just told her that he needed to come on board for a work event. Very good. <laughs> Satire. Very clever. Hopefully, we record these a week ahead, so hopefully he's gone by the time you listen to this. Yeah. Fucking prick. Uh, but yeah, um, I don't know. What's the next episode? Yeah, what a pile of shit. Oh, I know what the next episode is. It's 11001101. Right. It's not a good episode, but we're going to have a lot to fucking talk about. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Excellent. Don't, if you, if, if you, this is skippable. This is, if you're going back, this is, I think if we're going to call Code of Honor the racist episode, I think this is the sexist episode. Uh, well, no, they all are. They're all sexist. <laughs> yeah. 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 This was fun. We- this was. This, it was miserable to watch. Such a good... Like, you can do so much interesting with the concept. What a waste but... of time and effort. <laughs> Someone made the costumes for this, Mark. I'm glad they didn't waste any time putting any makeup on the aliens. <laughs> Fuck it. It's not worth it. No. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Well, it's better get back to work. Next... Yeah, see you next week. Bye. Bye. The Captain's Log is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at EdEdwardsComedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain's Log. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog.